All right, well, we're going to continue in the services of the series this morning called Living Sacrifices. And um, praise the Lord. Has this been okay? You know, um, let me read the verse, Romans 12. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service, and do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each of us a measure of faith. So living sacrifices, you know, when I first thought about it, it sounds kind of painful. But, you know, it's just bringing life in perspective, you know. I'm going to come back to this thought in a second, but let me read this verse. 1 Peter 2.11. Peter said this. He said, Beloved, so who's he talking to? He's talking to us, talking to Christians, talking to believers. He says, he uses really strong words here in the King James. He says, I beg you. Beg you, my goodness. As sojourners and pilgrims to abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul. And the word I want to look at for a minute is this word pilgrim. You know, pilgrim, what do you think of with a pilgrim, you know? I mean, Mayflower, I think of John Wayne. Didn't he call people pilgrims, people who are my age, you know? <laughs> anyway, but, you know, a pilgrim is basically just someone who's traveling through this place. Folks, that's what we're doing here. We're traveling through this place. It means someone who's traveling through and that they do have a final destination. You know, it's the mindset that I want to have as I live life, that we're traveling through this place. You know, this world is not my home, and it's not yours either. Heaven is our home. We're, we're on assignment. We're here with purpose. You know, we just got back from a trip, Dana and I, where we were in Portland, Oregon, and we had a purpose for being there. The number one purpose was to see our kids, okay? And in that was to celebrate our granddaughter, Eleanor. Hi, Eleanor. She's watching, I'm sure. To celebrate her birthday, you know? We didn't go to Portland to move, you know? We didn't bring, you know, everything with us to just, you know, plant roots. We were there traveling, okay? That's how we are in this world. We're traveling. So, you know, when we talk about a living sacrifice, we're talking about just not being weighed down by this world. We're not being weighed down. We're not being held back by our flesh. And the, the truth is, in this series and, and in this grouping of scriptures that we've gone to every week in Romans chapter 12, the real focus of it is found in verse 2. And the word that stands out is this word transform, you know, I, 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 I never really got into that whole series of movies that came out. I, I don't know. It was just, it, I, it just missed me, I guess. But I get the concept of being transformed. Do you get that? You see, that's something that God has for you and he has for me. He has for every believer is this thing called transformation. Transformation. It's where, it's where what's on the inside of us becomes so big that it shines on the outside. 
You know, there's an example of it in, in Scripture. I'm not going to turn there, but you guys probably know this story where one time Jesus took Peter, James, and John up on the mountaintop with him to pray. Do you remember that story? And, and while they're up on this mountaintop, I mean, it's something when Jesus invites you to go pray with him. I mean, his prayer times were not boring, okay? And neither should ours, okay? But just right there on the mountaintop when he's having this, this time with Peter, James, and John, it says that he was trans, the word that uh, many versions use is, they said he was transfigured, okay? Transfigured. And, and then it says that, that he became so bright, he became as bright, brighter than the, the noonday sun, you know? Kind of like that light that, that hit Paul or Saul of Tarsus when he was was riding his donkey that day and he fell off the donkey and said who are you Lord and he got saved but Jesus right there before Peter James and John was transfigured and the way I would say it is this that what Jesus was carrying on the inside of him all the time became evident on the outside and and it was so bright I like to think of it that you know, Peter had to grab his Ray-Bans and put them on. He was like, whoa, this is too much. I can't even handle it. My, my, you know, give me, give me a shield. You know what? The word they use here, I'm not a Greek scholar, but I've got a strong skin cordance. The word they use for transfigure is the same word the Apostle Paul used in the book of Romans for being transformed. The goal that we have in this being a living sacrifice. The goal that we have in, in you know, if we went to verse 2 and it says in, in renewing our minds, the goal that we have in all of it is that the stuff we have inside us, the stuff that we're carriers of, the, the, the stuff that God has put in us at the new birth would become so evident that it would shake the world around you. The people around you would be like, whoa, you know, I'm grabbing from my Ray-Bans here. There's something going on. This, there's some brightness coming out. You know, when, 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 you know, Dane and I had many conversations when we were in Portland, you know, our goal is we just want to, we want to be light where we're at. We want to be light. And, you know, that's what we want to, <laughs> you're laughing. Anyway, we want to be light. We want to be light on the Nike campus. We want to be light, you know, walking down the streets. You know, we want to be light because we are light. We are light. You know, the only reason that we don't show light is sometimes things get in the way and kind of muffle it, you know. We can get these baskets and put them on our heads and keep, keep the light that we really are from shining to the world. I used to say it like this. If you have a dumb head, it'll keep the, the light from shining too. But I don't want to offend anybody. Anyway. <laughs> too late, huh? Anyway. <laughs> anyway. God's goal for you and I is transformation. Transformation. What he wants is to get all the stuff out of the way that holds us back and, 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 uh, and just shine. You know, as I, as I live life on planet Earth in the year 2020, which we're in right now, my goodness, can you believe that? 2020, you know, it's like a sci-fi movie we're living in. And, and uh, <laughs> as I live life on planet Earth, though, right now, I, I'm constantly brought back to that, God, you've got to have purpose for us. There's got to be purpose. I want to tell you this morning, there is purpose for us this, on this earth. There's purpose for us. Do you hear me? There's purpose for you, Betty. Do you hear me? There's purpose for us. There's purpose for us. There's more ahead. There's more ahead. 
Don't get caught up in the busyness of now and forget that there's more up ahead. Yeah. Do you hear me? We're, you know, I think it was, um, I'll do my quote here, Winston Churchill, I believe. We used to have this magnet on our fridge. He said that when you're going through hell, keep going. Some of you will get that. <laughs> when you're going through hell, keep going. I'm telling you there's more on the other side. There's more out there. There's, there is, can I be as bold as to say this, but there is harvest on the other side of this. That is, you know, that, I feel like sometimes that word can almost get overused. I feel like, like since I've been a Christian back in the 70s, I remember going to a Sunday school class for, for college-age kids in the church I attended when I first got saved. And, and uh, it was a booming uh, class. I mean, there was probably 100 people in the class. And uh, it was one of them things they did before the main service on Sunday. And, and uh, I remember the teacher there talking about how that we were living in the last times. Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. And I remember, you know, I'm a new believer. Every, I'm green to everything, you know? It's all like, yeah, tell me more. I need to know some more about this stuff. And she's telling us, there was a woman talking, and, and, and she was talking about we're being on the ends. And, man, I thought I got in just before the trumpet sounded. You know what I'm talking about? I thought I barely made it by the skin of my teeth. Does teeth have skin? If they do, there's not much there. If they do have skin, maybe you should brush them. I don't know. <laughs> Floss and brush. What have we learned in 2020? We've learned to wash our hands, and now we're talking about flossing and brushing our teeth. But, but, but you know, I thought I barely made it in. This woman said it with such fervor that, my, you know, we're in the last days, and Jesus is coming soon. I've heard that so much that you can almost get numb to it. I'm telling you, though, we're in the last days. I'm not naming any dates. He was supposed to come in 88, I heard once. I was always skeptical of that. But anyway, um, you know what? I'm not naming any dates, but I tell you, the time is close. I, I just, just reading, you know, Dana and I have a habit of reading the Bible at night before we go to bed, or before Dana does anyway. And, and, um, we were reading some stuff the other night in Mark and, you know, just kind of going through some of the Gospels and, and uh, we were reading the Passion Translation just because, you know, sometimes you want, I want to switch things up, you know, it's just good to do, diff, take a different translation and read the Bible. Read stuff you've read, you know, for a hundred years, some of you maybe, like me, but, but uh, um, read a different translation and we've been digging the Passion Translation for probably about six or seven months now. But we were reading this stuff, and it was Jesus talking about the end times, you know, and talking about, you know, how the earth would be. And, and frankly, as I read that, I'm not an end time scholar, but I look at that as the second coming. Most of the stuff that Jesus taught was talking about the second coming. And I do, in case you wondered, I do believe in a rapture, okay? How's that? Is that controversial nowadays? I'm not even sure what's controversial or not. But if it is... I still believe it. I believe in a rapture. I believe that the church, which is us, is going to be caught away. What's that look like? Well, I don't even try to figure that out. I just believe it, okay? Um, I don't quite know. Every time I've tried to figure things out, Jesus, you know, God just does things different ways. Have you ever done that with you? 
You ever think you had it all figured out and then he does something totally different than, than what you thought you had it figured to be? But I do believe there'll be a catching away. And so, but anyway, we're reading this stuff. And, you know, Dana said to me, she says, oh, Paul, she says, I hope we're not here when this happens. You know, because it was pretty grim. Sometimes when we're reading and I, I stop reading, she goes, you better read a little more because that was kind of a dark place to stop. Okay, I don't know. Have you ever had that experience? You know, you don't want to go to bed thinking about, and the earth swallowed them up, and, and, and there were no more. Nah, let's kind of read a little further and just see some. Psalms are great for that. Do you ever read the Psalms? Some of the Psalms begin, you know, and, and it's kind of like, it's kind of like David, most of the time it's David, and he was venting or something, talking about stuff, you know, and if you just stop right there, You'd be like, what in the world? But, you know, you read to the end, and then he kind of gets through it all and gets into this place with God, and it's like, all right, Jesus is Lord. Can we say that? Say, Jesus is Lord. <laughs> so anyway, we were reading this stuff, and Dana says, says uh, my goodness, Paul, I hope we're not here when this happens. And then she had the thought, oh, my goodness, but our grandkids will be there. And I said, Dana, I think this stuff is the second coming. I think we'll be gone in the rapture. But I tell you, what, what the realization hit me is, it's not too hard to see that even in seven years from now, the world could be just like we were reading. <laughs> it could totally be that way. It doesn't take a stretch of my imagination, you know, uh, to, to, to see that, that, my goodness, things are escalating. You know what it, I've learned in the last eight, nine months is, is that the world can change in a minute. Anybody have a 2020 planner? I, I don't know if they've given refunds this year. Keep your faith in him. Don't let the flesh have a heyday. Did you hear me? Don't, you know, everybody in here, we all got flesh. And what we're talking about in this series, a lot of what we're talking about is, is don't let your flesh run you wild. We all have flesh, but it's not meant to rule us, okay? Um, good, good thing with the egg there, Kelly. I was really relieved it wasn't a, a raw one. <laughs> I was getting my wet wipes ready. You had them. <laughs> Goodness, she's all ahead of it. All right, Revelation, Revelation 12. Uh, we're going to read that for a minute. Seems like a month ago when I was preaching here. I, I've had quite a few things happen. We had a baptism Sunday. I was out of town, Pastor Stephen preached, but there was a while back I, I, I was preaching, and we we're in this series. And I used this verse, Revelation 12, 10, and 11, and I knew when I spoke it that I had more to say about it, but I knew it wasn't for that particular service. You know how that can be? Yeah. It's good to see you guys, Willie and Ruthie, the, the snowbirds before they fly south to, the, to Texas here. But anyway... Um, revelation and I am watching I always I'm making a new habit that I keep my phone up here I'm not texting I'm not Instagramming but I do have Facebook live on here and I'm watching to see who all's watching my brothers are both watching this morning hi guys and uh, it's a good way to keep the family together so revelation 12 10 and 10 and 11, it says, I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, uh, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the 
power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Wow. Isn't that something? And then I'm going to read verse 11, even though I want to come back to verse 10. It says, and they overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Can I tell you something? The blood has not lost its power. Uh, So the blood, it says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And I'll just say this again. Your testimony has power. Every person in here, as I look around, you know, you guys have a testimony. And your testimony, don't belittle it. Don't be ashamed of it. You know, you don't need to magnify who you were. But I tell you what, you can magnify what God's brought you from. Okay? There's power in it. They did not love their lives even to the death. And we talked about that several weeks ago. That's where we kind of ended. But, but I wanted to come back to this, this, this thing that the accuser of our brethren. So if you don't know this, I'm sure you probably do. But the accuser is another name for the devil. Okay? Why would they call him the accuser? It's because that's what he does. He accuses. Uh, the accuser, you, 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 we probably are somewhat all familiar with him because he's the one that brings these things to our mind many times about our shortcomings. He's the one that, that tells you you're not good enough. He's the one that brings up every time you've ever sinned and magnifies it, plays it in your ear, you know, loud volume, and it makes you feel like a worm, makes you feel belittled. That's not the Spirit of God doing that. It's the devil. And the Bible clearly calls him the accuser. The accuser, because he accuses us. It says, in, well, you know, it might say it here, but it says day and night. He doesn't rest. He's always on the job. In some ways, he's, he'd be a good employee. You know, he doesn't, maybe, maybe not. But anyway, he doesn't quit. He's relentless to throw attacks at your mind. And I don't say that to magnify him. I don't say that to scare you. I say that to be aware. You need to be aware. Because, you see, sometimes Christians, what we've done is we've gone around and, you know, we've, we've, we've equated his accusations with the Spirit of God. We've equated his accusations with, you know, our own thoughts. And I'm here to tell you today, they're foreign thoughts. You hear me? They don't belong to you. They're not part of the pilgrimage that you're on. Do you hear me? And you need to recognize them and say, no, I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to allow these thoughts to be entertained in my mind. Now, there's two there's two sides of a coin, and there's two sides to his accusations. Okay, are you hearing me? Yeah. One is he comes and he accuses you and I, or personally, you know, brings up every bit of dirt he can to try to keep us limited. What does he try to do? He keeps, tries to keep us from 
shining out the stuff we've got in us. He tries to keep us from being transformed. He tries to keep us from being in the place and the purpose that God has for us. And these things are foreign and we need to resist them. But the other side of the coin is this, is the accuser will come and he'll bring accusations to you and I about other people, specifically other people in the body of Christ. Again, this is not a downer thing. This is an awareness message. So the accuser, <laughs> the accuser, one of the things that he'll do, I'm just, I'm, I'm telling on him today because I want you to be aware. One of the things that he'll do is he'll come and he'll tell you accusations about brothers and sisters in Christ, people that you know. He'll bring thoughts into your mind, you know, basically out of nowhere to just paint bad pictures in your head about people in your life. All right? Can I say that? Can I say that in church? See, this is the war that we're fighting, you know? The war we fight, the victory is, is stay plugged into Jesus. Keep your eyes on him. Be aware of the devil's tactics and, put in, and just, just march with him under your feet, okay? The devil operates this way, though, to try to cause division, to try to cause strife. And, and if there's ever a time when he runs rampant, it's when we as a church get isolated. This is what I've noticed. It's like, you know, it's one thing, you know, the devil will come to you and, and bring accusations about people, but when you're around them, it's like the confrontation happens and, 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 and it gets exposed and, and, and it goes away. But it's like when you get isolated, like, like we have been in 2020, okay? The devil will come with accusations and they can build in our hearts and minds and try to cause division and separate us. All right, y'all still there? I'm not the only one that's ever had this kind of stuff happen, right? Um, you know, <laughs> let me think. Is there anything here I need to say? All right. Romans 5, 5, let me read a couple, I'm going to give you a couple verses. Talk about our strategy, talk about how we deal with this kind of stuff. Frankly, the way we combat it is we walk in love. You know, if there's one thing I could say about what's the, de the, the, the deposit that's in us, you know, it's God, but, but it's the love of God. Romans 5, 5, one of my favorites, says uh, hope doesn't disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. The love of God, let's just think about that for a moment. The love of God is on the inside of you and me. The love of God. The love of God. Not just any love, the love of God has been poured into our hearts. I... I I didn't write this one down, but uh, the Clarence Jordan translation is probably my favorite on this. It says, he's given us a love transfusion by the Holy Ghost. He's given us a love transfusion by the Holy Ghost. 
Um, he's taken out what was there and put in what God had. Then in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 8, I'm reading it out of the Amplified Classic, I think it is. Well, anyway, it is the classic. It says, Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, but, and does not display itself haughtily. It's not conceited. It's not arrogant and inflated with pride. Boy, this is crazy how the stuff it talks about love is here. It's not rude. It's not unmannerly. It does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's loveliness, does not insist on its own rights or its own way. For it's not self-seeking. It's not touchy, fretful, or resentful. It takes no account of the evil done to it. it. Pays no attention to a suffered wrong doesn't rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. You know, I, 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 there's a preacher that I've listened to for many years, and he was talking about reading this book one time, and it was about the love of God. And he said he started reading this stuff about the love of God and the love walk. And he said he got so frustrated, he took the book and he threw it across the room. He says, this stuff's impossible. I could never do that. And one time I, I, I was around him and I asked him, I said, what book? Because he never identified the book. I said, what book is it that you were reading when you threw it across the room like that? And he went in the back and he came out and he gave me the book. So I have it at home. But anyway, and you know, if you read this, it can seem like an overwhelming mountain. Like how in the world could I ever walk in this kind of stuff? But the truth is this, that you got to come back to is, this is what God put in you. This is what's in you right now. It's not something that you're trying to live up to. It's not trying, you know, I'm not trying to make the grade. This is the quality of substance that God put into our hearts. And it's there for us to draw on. You know, one, one guy said this. He said that if you want to know what's inside a tea bag, put them in hot water. I'm a tea drinker. I, I like to know what's in the tea bag. And, 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 and I have my favorites. And, and you know, I do. And, 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 and what's inside you and I is this very stuff we're talking about here. There's love in us. Now, sometimes, you know, I'm, I don't know about you, but I can react from other places than the person I really am. Sometimes I can have my flesh you know, it can rear up, and I'm like, ah. But that's not really who we are. There's something in us that's powerful. It's the love of God. Now, verse 7 is what I wanted to get to. It says, love bears up under anything and everything that comes. And this is the zinger of the morning right here in verse 7. It says it's ever ready to believe the best of every person. Wow. There's something in you that's got... So much power that when we activate it and live from this place, we actually believe the best in other people. Wow. I'll finish it. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. Love never fails, never fades out, or becomes obsolete, or comes to an end. So... Believe in the best in other people. You know, we're being challenged with this. And being isolated compounds 
the temptation to not believe the best in people. But it doesn't weaken the love of God that we can tap into at any time and live from this place. Okay? Um, you know, isolation does funny things to people. Sometimes isolation can pe make people act differently than they would normally act. An example might be this. You know, when you're driving in your car and somebody does something that, you know, you think, what a knucklehead. <laughs> if you weren't in your car and you were just on the street, you'd never say that to them. But in the privacy of your car, you might even wave your fist <laughs> and voice to your spouse, what a knucklehead. Someone loosed the, the nuts, and they're, they're, they're rampant today. I tell you, what is going on? Can't believe these people driving. They don't drive like that in Menominee, I'll tell you what. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, you know? But somehow, you can become empowered because you're isolated. To think and say things you might never, ever say otherwise. Now... Could I go down another stream for a moment? Social media. Oh, ow. oh, pastor, don't go down that. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I do go on social media, and I'm not, I'm not against it. I, it's for, since I've been on social media, it's been a way for me to connect with certain people. And I, I do appreciate the value that I can have in that. But if you follow me, I don't post much. In fact, most stuff I post is just for the church or my grandkids. So there's people I don't see all the time that want to see that, so I'll put it up. I'm even selective. I don't put up a lot of that because can, you can overload. Not saying anybody overloaded, Okay. I'm just saying this. Don't be somebody you're not when you're isolated. Yeah, Do you hear me? Yeah. Be who you really are. Don't become empowered to think things that you'd never think in their presence. No. Go back to the truth. You know, I, I, I've told this story before, but I can't think of a better one right now, but I remember years ago when we were at another church, we were associate pastors of a church in Minneapolis, Dana and I were, and in that church we had services Sunday morning, Sunday night, and, and Wednesday nights each, actually, and we had meetings through the week as well, which that was all good. It was called um, the 80s, and, and, uh, <laughs> but, and the 90s. But um, not to say we wouldn't do that. I mean, we had a meeting one time where we had church every single day for how many days was it? 49? 49 days straight. We had a meeting every day. I'm not saying that was bad. There was a lot of good in it. But, but if you're going to do it, it's got to be God. Okay? But I remember one night, one night we were going to church on a Sunday night, and, and this particular Sunday night I wasn't preaching, and I, I often did on Sunday nights, but... Um, uh, I wasn't going to preach, but on, our, 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 on the way into the service, 
you know, it was Dane and I and two kids in the back seat, and I, I don't, couldn't even tell you what it was, but we had some kind of a disagreement. And it was a little bit of tension in the car of the Carlsons, okay? And, and, and um, but we made it to church and everything was fine by the time we got here. Isn't that amazing how that can happen? But anyway, we got to church and we we're all fine and, and uh, I, I, I went on with the service and worship went on and I'm standing, we're standing there rocking out to the worship, you know, and it comes time to sit down. We're going to hear the word. And, and uh, we had pews in our church there. You know, you know they were comfortable pews. And, and um, I just, in my mind, I thought, well, hey, here I am. I'm going to sit right next to my wife, and I'm going to just put my arm around her the whole service, you know, and whatever. I, actually, I didn't have that thought initially. I just thought, I'm just going to snuggle up to my wife during service. Anybody doing that today? Anyway, yeah, it's cool. I mean, it's all right. Don't go too far. But, but anyway... <laughs> I've been doing a lot of traveling. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, this particular service, you know, there'd been this tension, and all of a sudden, you know, we'd, we'd come to the glory spot. We'd worship God, and everything was cool, so I'm going to sit by my wife, and I put my arm around her. But as soon as we sat down, I don't know if it was what happened, but somehow the space between Dane and I became amplified, and she sat down to where there was like a whole space between us. In my mind, I thought, this is my instant thought was, I thought we settled that. What's going on here? Wife, where, what are you doing? This is the thought that rolled through my mind the whole time I'm going. You know, but inside I'm thinking all these thoughts. And, and then the next thing I, I just came to is this. I thought, well, I know how to deal with that. And I just moved myself over and put my arm around her. And I kept my arm there the entire service. All the blood had drained from my arm. I mean, it really sounds romantic to have your arm around your wife the whole service. It's not really fun, you know? You lose all feeling in your fingertips, and you're going, oh. but I was just like, take that, devil. That's what I did. We got through the service. We're in our car, the privacy of our car, driving home. I said, do you notice? I had my arm around you the whole service, and she says, yeah, that was nice. And then I explained the whole thing to her, and I said, what was up with you moving over? She goes, oh, I didn't even know I did it. But you see how thoughts can get generated in your head? And if you entertain them, they can take you down a trail that's destructive. That'll take you to a place you don't want to be. All right. Let me um, go on. Mark 4, 35. This same day, it says, evening came. He said to them, let's cross over to the other side. So they were going to get in a boat and go from point A to point B, and Jesus said the words, let's cross over to the other side. Now, that can seem like just a, a, almost a, a flippant statement, let's cross over to the other side, but you got to know who this came from. This came from Jesus. This came from Jesus, the one who'd been speaking life to people. He had the words of life. They'd seen him speak, and, and, and they'd seen the dead raised when Jesus spoke. And here he is standing with them, and he says these words, let's pass over to the other side. Uh, they, they left the multitude. They took him along in the boat, as he, he was, and, and other little boats were with them. Verse 37, it says, a great windstorm arose. Waves beat 
on the boat so that it was already filling. Yet he was in the stern, asleep on a pillow. I love that. Asleep on a pillow, and the storm is raging. They awoke, they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we're perishing? He arose, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have no faith? They feared exceedingly and said to one another, Who can this be? Even the wind and the sea obey him. Again, they're learning. God bless them. We're learning too. He's teaching us. He's showing us things because he wants us to go out and act like him. Okay? Standing with Jesus. I know this is, this is wild. I mean, he was Jesus, but he's a person on the earth. Standing with them, they were emboldened. They could do all things. He was the master. Here he is in the stern. It means he was in the back part of the ship, sleeping on a pillow, out of their presence at the moment. Their minds ran wild, overcome by the storm. When Jesus was with them, let's pass over to the other side. There was confidence. There was expectation. Out of his presence, overcome by the situations of life. Believe in people. Believe in the best. Even when they're not with you, believe the best. Um, I'm not going to go there, but, but there is the story also of Peter, who was so bold that he stood up to the high priest's servant and cut his ear off. I'm not telling anybody to cut anybody's ear off. It's not a show of faith. In fact, Peter got rebuked for it. Okay? But it does show the kind of confidence he had. That he'd walk up and, 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 you know, hey, you're not taking the master. Same chapter, you'll read the whole story that, that Jesus, again, is out of his presence. And Peter turned into a different person. He operated from a different place. All I'm saying this morning, don't unplug from who you really are. Believe the best in people. Whether they're with you or without, okay? Whether they're with you or, or away from you. Whether you're in the crowd or you're in, at home, okay? I'm telling you what, believe the best in people. I'm not saying that sometimes people aren't stinkers. Hey, I live in the same world you do, okay? I'm not saying that I'm not even a stinker sometimes, okay? But I'm saying the best of what's in us. Let's stand up for each other. Let's believe the best in each other. You know, if we haven't seen each other for a while, tell you what, isn't going to change. We just ran into some people just before we went on vacation. I think it was. Or before Dana left. Um, we ran into some people that we hadn't seen in, I think we figured it was 25 years. 25 years. And the truth of it is, these people were only really in our lives for about a year and a half. But we had such epic events that we lived through together that we, we feel like we'll forever be bonded. You know what I mean? 
And we ran into these people, they just called me out of the blue, you know. Somehow he had my number, I showed up as a, unavailable in my phone, but I answered it. And he was, he played with me for a minute before he told me who it was. But, but we ran into him, they came down to the church, and it was like no time had passed. It was like, it was like we just saw him yesterday or something. You know what? Believe the best in people. When you're with them, when you're apart. I'll just read this verse and we'll end here. In Galatians 6, 7 through 9, it says, Don't be deceived. God's not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. He sows to the flesh, he'll reap corruption, but he sows the spirit, he'll, of the spirit, reap life everlasting. Verse 9, probably where I wanted to go. Let's not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. We'll reap. All right, so question. I think there's a question. Can you think of a situation? This is something to think about through the week. Where you believed an accusation about someone, later found out it was false. How can you avoid falling into the trap? of the accuser. Hey, thanks for tuning in today. I hope this message was a blessing to you. Yeah, hey, we just wanted to give you the opportunity as well to partner up and plug in to the church uh, by giving. So if you would like to be a part of that and help make this all possible, you can do so by going to wearelovechurch.com slash give. You can also plug in, stay in the loop with what's going on at the church via our Instagram and Facebook platforms. So love y'all. God bless you.